You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Take 
make you live in Caught up in the make-believe Lost in your dream Get told people Stop giving up your self-respect Stop it, young people Talking to my people Yeah I can take some strange turns on you Living with the things thrown at you Leave you in the cold With a day that's not worth having Chances on the short falls a breeze You'll never come to feel what you need When what you really want inside are listening to African Perspectives, where we view the issues of our day from an African worldview and African-centered perspective. This program is unapologetically African. It is a custom in the African tradition to ask elders for permission to speak, having been granted permission to our ancestors whose shoulders we stand on, to our elders whose shadows we walk in. I greet you, my dear brothers and sisters, in the language of one of the greatest civilizations on this planet. It gave the world the basic disciplines of knowledge of science, math, architecture, music, writing, law, religion, you name it, we did it. The Greeks called it Egypt, but they called themselves Kemet, and Kemet means land of the blacks. I greet you all in the Kemetic language, the word of peace, Hotep. It is truly an honor and a privilege to pour libation because we truly do stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. We're going to use water because water has no enemies. Water is the great cleanser, the great purifier. Everything on the planet that lives, it needs water from a tiny microscopic organism to a tall redwood tree. We pour water into the earth to invoke the spirits of our ancestors and we say the word ashe. It simply means so be it. So we pour this libation to God for all that God has done and for all that God will do. We sashay. We pour this libation to Mother Africa, birthplace of all humanity, everyone who has lived, everyone who will live in the future. We all have a common ancestral root in Africa. We pour this libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. I mentioned Kemet in the opening. Kemet was the height, the apex, the zenith of African high culture. But there were others as well, as Tymeri, Punt, and Nubia. So we poured us libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. We say Ashe. We poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa, of Ghana, Mali, Zangai, Benin, 
Great Zimbabwe, civilizations that were flourishing and growing while Europe was in a medieval or dark age. The University of Sankare at Timbuktu, an outstanding educational institution. So he poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa. We say, Ashe? We poured us libation to the Ma'afa, the Holocaust of our enslavement, the Infakani, the great tragedy, uprooted out of Africa. Our brothers and sisters lay a carpet along the Atlantic Ocean. We're in North America, South America, Central America, and throughout the diaspora. So we poured us libation to our brothers and sisters who suffered the Ma'afa, the Infakani, the Holocaust of our enslavement, the great tragedy. We poured us libation in their honor and in their memory. We do not know their names, but because of them and their sacrifice, we are here. So we sashay. We poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. If you ever heard me do a libation, you will know that we were not slaves. I repeat, we were not slaves. We were captives. What does a captive want to do? Get free. So we poured us libation to all those men and women who fought against enslavement. In fact, I maintain that some of us are more of a slave today than we were in our initial captivity because some of us are a slave to vice, to corruption, to drugs, sex, and violence. So we poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. Gabriel Prosser, Nat Turner, Denmark Vesey, Harriet Tutman. We always resisted. And we will always resist. So we poured us libation in the name and the honor of those men and women who fought against our captivity. We poured us libation to those unborn, those young men and women who will once again lead us back on the stage of human history as a free and proud and productive people. We sashay. We poured us libation to brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. We need each other. We don't have good family life. There's a saying, conditions shape conduct and consciousness. The conditions in our community are bad. The conduct towards each other is not good. Because why? We lack consciousness. And consciousness is more than just awareness. Consciousness is a deeper understanding of who you are historically, who you are culturally. So once we begin to understand the importance of brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. Brothers and sisters, let us all say, Ashe, Ashe. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Good morning, African world. You are listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. And I am your host, Baba Oshi, Hotel Family. Hope everything is well with you today. Hope you're going to have a good day today. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you had a chance to do all the things you want to do, should do, must do, can do, and will do. And hoping too, weather was accommodating for you to do it. But if it is not, and it has to get done, it must be done, it will get done because you will do it. And that's why we admire and respect and love you. Keep getting it done, family. Seriously. This is African Perspectives. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. 
to 1 p.m. 10 to 12 Central, 9 to 11 Mountain, 8 to 10 Pacific, any other time around the world. But if you cannot listen to this program live, you can go to our archives at timeforanawakening.com. At the top of the page, you'll see podcast. Click on that. The drop down, you'll see African Perspectives. Click on that, and there will be programs that are dated and titled. So, <clears throat> other programming we have here on Time for an Awakening Media. And I'm always going to announce that program, even though I'm not sure. I'll be trying, I'm trying to listen tomorrow to see if it uh, Black Reality Think Tank comes on. But this program is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, there is no Monday program aside from this one at this time. Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday evening, 8 p.m., 8 to 10, Black Reality Think Tank with Brother Alfonso Watkins in honor of Dr. William Rogers. Then on Tuesdays from 7 to 8, Mississippi on the move, the Black Liberation Movement, Mississippi on the move. If it's Friday and it's 8 p.m., it's time for an awakening, brothers and sisters. Time for an awakening on Friday at 8 p.m. with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. Saturday at 7 p.m. from 7 to 9, the Sankofa Elders Council. And then Sunday at 7 p.m., once again, time for an awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. And the number to call is 215-490-9832, 215-490-9832. And, of course, if you want to listen to the programs that I have, just, uh, you know, put it in the search engine, uh, babaoshi.net, whether it's Firefox, Google, whatever, babaoshi.net, and there will be programs that are dated and titled. For those who are having problems with those commercials, that um, <clears throat> TuneIn was uh, constantly doing, just go to timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com, right on the front of the page. You know, they, they can have it right, it's right there. Hit that and then listen to the program, listen to previous programs, listen to the upcoming programs. So, Brother Elliot has got it set up very nicely. And so, I, at least I hope that's what happens. In fact, if someone would, would do a brother a favor, <clears throat> if you're listening, if you're listening on TuneIn, get off TuneIn and go to timeforanawakening.com. On the upper right or middle right hand side, uh, the, the radio piece is there, and you click the play button, and this program should be on. And then also tell me if they break away for anything, but it shouldn't because this is on time for an awakening. So it shouldn't. So time for an awakening dot com, brothers and sisters, if you want to listen to the program uninterrupted. All right. Where am I at? Oh, okay. Yeah. We buy black. <laughs> we buy black dot com. The largest online marketplace for American African-owned businesses is WeBuyBlack.com. Get everything you need from American African-owned businesses, WeBuyBlack.com. Brothers and sisters, go to WeBuyBlack.com because if we don't, who will? Exactly. Africa for the Africans, Brother Bomani Tahimba is returning from his trip to, to Senegal and Gambia. It was March 30th to April 9th. Um, Wednesday's program, my guest will be 
co-host will be, yes, co-host will be Brother Irv Lewis. We'll be talking about his trip uh, to Senegal and Gambia. And, of course, trying to encourage all of you to, you know, try to make that trip at one time. Not necessarily to Senegal and Gambia, but make that trip to the motherland at least one time. And you know the benefits, believe me. Uh, the next trip for Brother Bamani is May 24th to June 5th, Ghana. July 30, July 20th to July 30th, Rwanda. November 16th to November 27th, Tanzania. December 24th to January 4th, 2024, Azinia. March 29th to April 9th, Liberia. July 11th to July 23rd, Ghana. November 21st to December 2nd, Kemet. Those are uh, some of the upcoming trips. He may put another in in that mix, but, uh, you know, Brother Bamani's been doing it and doing it well. Brothers and sisters, go to AfricaForTheAfricans.org if you want to see pictures of previous tours, and those pictures will be up from this tour, I would say, in a matter of a few days. He doesn't play around. Then you go to Facebook.com forward slash Bomani. If you want to see videos of previous tours, you go to YouTube.com forward slash Bomani 2007. Brothers and sisters, Africa for the African.org. Habasha. Habasha Incorporated. Habasha stands for helping Africa by establishing schools at home and abroad. And of course, one of the main projects that they launched back in October, last year, October, was the Kashi Project. The Kashi Project is named in honor of the world-renowned Ghanaian ethnobotanist, Dr. Kweku Adu. Dr. Adu was dedicated to research in ethnobotany and traditional medicine and was a dedicated and dedicated to Ghana. In, his foot, in the footsteps of Dr. Adu, we are committed to our people, Ghana, and sustainability through natural resources. Kashi is a research and training institute which highlights the instruction in sustainable and renewable eco-holistic practices from an indigenous African perspective. Kashi will provide a sacred space for researching the ancient traditions a sustainability housing, holistic healing, organic agricultural agriculture. Additionally, Kashi will be a safe space for people of African descent to heal from the negative effects of trans of our captive trade and colonialism. We will have finalized phase one of Kashi to include a five eco domes, four eco octons and a bamboo pavilion, bamboo tree, and solar car park, and a laundry facility. Through various fundraising efforts, Habashaw is committed to doing our part to build Kashi in Africa, but we can't do it alone, so they still need your help, but it's happening. It's happening, fellas. Go to the website, habashawincorporated.org. Habasha Incorporated. Uh, and of course, they have the programs here at home, which is Habasha Works, Black Tar Roots, Golden Growers, Sustainable 
seeds and the urban green jobs. Brothers and sisters, go to HabashaIncorporated.org. The Ledge Group, Ledge stands for Land for the Environmental Development for Group Economics. And they deal in the four areas of human existence that are vital to human existence, which is food, water, clothing, and shelter. They have 12 projects in six different countries on the continent with over 170 employed and over 260 members. Brothers and sisters, become a member of the Ledge Group, Land for the Environmental Development for Group Economics. Abibiatumi, Abibiatumi, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, com and the community. Brothers and sisters, go to com and you'll see for yourself the great things that are happening. Um, the conference is coming up. It's going to be July 7th through the 9th in Accra, in Accra. And uh, I'm trying to pick up, point, point out some error. Some other things that they're talking about here, but it's the the power conference, educational power, military power, institutional power, economic power, agricultural power, technology, technological power, family, community, and nation power. It's nation time, family. It's gonna be it's gonna be at the grounds at BB Atumi, at BB Atumi, A B I B I T U M I, the headquarters in Ghana. It's beautiful, family. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, go to the website, bb2me.com. Smy Pharmacy. Smy Pharmacy. S-M-A-I-F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. Smyfarmacy.com. Brothers and sisters, contact Brother Jabril at 770-765-7751. And if you tell him what you're looking for, what you love to do, what you try to do, or things that are happening with you and so forth, he will put together a health plan for you. He will put together a health plan for you, family, that is very affordable and necessary. So contact him. If you want to contact him by uh, email, contact him at smifarmacy at gmail.com. S-M-A-I-F-A-R-M-A-C-Y at gmail.com. Smifarmacy. The Jackson Water Rescue that's going on with through the Moses westfoundation.org moseswestfoundation.org family and the AWG atmospheric water generating system the atmospheric water generating system that brother Moses West has patented taking the water molecules out of the air going through a particular serious filterization process and open up the tap and out comes clean drinkable usable water there is no shortage of water. There's a problem with access to good, clean, drinkable water, which is the issue. But check them out. Go to the MosesWestFoundation.org and make your donations. Wadada's Healthy Marketing Juice Bar located in the West End here in Atlanta. I'm Ralph David Abernathy. Right across the street from the Soul Vegetarian Restaurant. Up the street from the Shrine of the Black Madonna. Wadada's has a fine selection of fruit drinks, smoothies, all kinds of health foods. And they got all kinds of uh, 
vegan shakes, organic wellness. Oh, man, this is all kinds of good stuff here. Wadada's Healthy Market and Juice Bar, located in the West End. Give them a call at 404-444-1635, 404-444-1635. The Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. Mama Nia has a fine selection of books, postcards, greeting cards, gift certificates, T-shirts, figurines, and so much more. The Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall open Monday through Saturday from 10 to 9 on Sunday from 12 to 6. Give her a call at 404-346-3263. The Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. The Black Dot Cultural and Center Bookstore, Brother Kazimde Jambu, located in Lithonia, which is east of here. Take I-20 going east, exit 74, make a left, about a mile and a half down the road, you'll see the Black Dot Cultural Center Bookstore and Coffee Bar on the left. And uh, Brother has done a beautiful job. Good space in there. Uh, Mama, Mama Nia will be doing a presentation next Sunday I'm going to talk about. Next Sunday at the Black Dot. Give a call at 404, excuse me, 770-305-6373, 770-305-6373. There's light in the black dot. Jump back on that street, which is the main street now. Go south and then make a left um, and go east. Now you're back on I-20 east. The next exit, exit 75, Turner Hill Road. Make a right on there and then three lights make another right and there it will be the new black wall street market new black wall street market family all right us lifting us us lifting us to economic development cooperative for our people in the spirit of ujama us lifting us their thursday night broadcast every thursday night on blog talk radio blogtalkradio.com forward slash ulu us lifting us Every Thursday night from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. If you want to call to listen, you can do so. If you have a question, comment, or concern, you can take, they'll take that at just dial 929-477-2789. That's 929-477-2789. Us lifting us. Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop, not open on Mondays, but open Tuesday through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. in Macon, Georgia. Brothers and sisters, give my brother Abija a call at 478-256-1166, 478-256-1166, Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop in Macon, Georgia. He's got it going on, man. Has, everything's up in that store. Believe me, it's great. Sun Goddess Sense, Sun Goddess Sense, your one-stop natural shop located at 4140 Jonesboro Road, in Forest Park, Georgia, inside the International Discount Mall, booth 225. Give my sister Shelly Amonset a call at 404-434-7963. That's 404-434-7963. Sun Goddess Sense, your one-stop natural shop. Sanjay-Haiti.org. Sister Gabrielle Aurelia is doing an outstanding job working with our young children in the northeastern portion of the island of Haiti and up in the hills and brothers and sisters they rely on the good people like you like us to to lend support go to the website sanjay s o n j e dash haiti 
sanjayaiti.org, sanjayaiti.org. Akaban Institute, Akaban Institute, Brother Baba Baruti and Mama Yah, the work that they uh, are doing and have done is just phenomenal. They deserve to be supported. Some of the things that are happening. Uh, number one, Mama Marimba, as I stated, she has a, a presentation. This Sunday, this Sunday, April 16th, 2 p.m., from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m., Mama Marimba speaks beyond damage control toward a world African offensive. Ma'afa, you know what the Ma'afa is, the great tragedy. The overall, not just our captivity, but the whole thing that is afflicting us, why we behave the way we behave, the great tragedy. Ma'afa, in the context of Ma'at, Sankofa and African sovereignty. She'll follow that up, but with a she'll follow that with a conversation between her and her granddaughter Kehinde, and uh, you know, connecting generations. Because to us, there is no intergeneration problem. We are one. The elders, the adults, the children, the teen, all of us. We are one, and we work together. And uh, it's a ten dollars uh, per person, and all the proceeds go to help uh, Akaban Institute and the black, no, excuse me, Akaban Institute, help Akaban Institute and uh, the Abaka Sasumsum, which is coming up um, in May. In May, Abaka And they have a two days because it's be held on a, some land that uh, uh, the uh, sister owns. So African World Revolution, May 13th and 14th. And that's going to be outstanding. Ancestral communion is a calling to arms. Marimba speaks. Yeah, she ain't, man, she is no joke. I love this sister. You know, when I, you know, first read Urugu and Let the Chains Be Unbroken, so I was aware of her, you know. And then uh, Urugu was just like, to me, is the book. That is one of, that's book has helped me tremendously understand the dynamics and that what the hell, the hell we up against, you know. Then I've seen her at the, in fact, I'm where I'm going next week, next week, Wednesday, State of the Black World, they had a conference here, uh, here in Atlanta. And um, um, she was, of course, in attendance and did the libation. I mean, her had a chance to talk. Seen her many times with 40 in. I think the first time I saw her was in Detroit. But, um, but in Chicago, she was the guest speaker in Chicago. Her and Ray Winbush were in Chicago at the National Black United Front for the Conrad World. And uh, and then, um, let me think again. I think then, I think I saw her at, I, don't know, I thought I was in Milwaukee, at some, at some university. But anyway, when I moved here and, and we were at the ASCAC conference and we had a good chance, a good time to talk and, and being hooked up ever since, love her. Respect her, honor her, a warrior queen, a warrior queen family, a true warrior queen in the power of Francis Chris Welsing and all other warrior queens. Okay, uh, Baba Rudy, Baba Rudy, uh, in quotation for reparations, and that is going to be May 6th, Saturday, May 6th, from 12 noon to uh, 2 p.m., from 12 noon to 2 p.m., and uh, it's $10, $5 for warriors in training, 
and you can pay PayPal, uh, Yahbaruti at Yahoo, or you can pay Cash App, dollar sign Yah, M Baruti. Okay, including your information, reparations, your name, and the email address so they can send you the link. Okay, and then same day, Mama Eniyat from 4 p.m., which is the woman's quarterly. Forgive, release, and live. And of course, the same thing applies, including pertinent information. Forgive, release, and live. Your name, your email address so they can send you the link. Uh, $10 for adults and five dollars for young folks. Also that evening, but from six to nine, over at the Grio, Baba Rudy will make a presentation, The Great Power of the African Mind. The Great Power of the African Mind. That's going to be uh, from six PM to nine PM on Saturday the sixth. Said so that he has is presentation from noon to two but at six o'clock in the evening the great power of the African mind the complimentary the 20th the ninth annual complimentarity conference African love is beautiful that'll be Saturday from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. online you know singles and co-parenting and question and answer all of that $35 a couple $2 per adult $10 $10 per teens. This is going to be dynamic. That's going to be Saturday, June 3rd. All these things I would be out of town for, you know, but hey, you know, I've been to them and I love them and I respect them and they deserve to be supported, believe me. Akaban Institute summer program, they're offering a four-week summer program coming up June 19th to July 14th. Mama Yao's one-on-one sections, which is, deals with language, art, and math basics through uh, pre-algebra tutoring Monday, Wednesday and Fridays from 9 a.m. to 12 noon from and then from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Slots available in one hour increments minimum one hour sessions multiple sessions okay and then Baba Rudy he has a historical piece our story Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 to 11 and then from 11 to 12 chess Learn to play chess. The dynamics of chess. I say. So, yeah. Outstanding, family. Outstanding. Ah, the Baroudis. Okay. Brothers and sisters, the Inyas, the Inya, the Inya Sassim of daily revolutionary thought. Man, I tell you, I love the Inyasasim. Because what's always interesting, as I said before, a lot of times, what I'm going to talk about, you know, it's that I don't look at the Inyasasim and then build a program around it. I don't do that. It just happens that that's what happens because that's the spirit. That's what needs to be discussed. That's what needs to be understood. And uh, the narratives and the quotes of great people that are outstanding. April 9th, the psychology of becoming free is contingent upon understanding the captive-making process, the slave-making process. The psychology of becoming free requires the reverse of that process. 
The psychology of becoming free requires the reverse of that process. First is understanding. Once you get that understanding, then you put it in reverse. Dr. Kawanze Kanjufu, the conspiracy to destroy black boys. Kawanze Kanjufu out of Chicago. We have to remember that reversing this process, the slave-making process, entails more than just knowledge of self. It requires reversing what happened to us in its entirety. So to know that we cannot just reverse one part of this horrific experience and consider ourselves our work done. No, we must reverse the process as it impacted all of us in all areas, in all institutions. Just like Francis Cress Welsing said, racism, white supremacy is in everything they do. It's in everything. All areas of human people activity. The same thing with reversing this process. It must be done in all areas of human activity, family, religion, politics, education, economics, and military. Therefore, logically, we cannot just build monetary wealth to the point of equality with the oppressor because you'll never be equal here. I don't give a damn how much money you got. By itself, that would not suffice for the severe deficits in our family, educational institutions, or military. None alone will suffice. They must all be claimed and built together. A people do not develop their institutions unevenly. Each needs to work. Each needs the work of the other because they are one mind and exert a common force. I say, affirm, I I have reversed the slave-making process. Affirm, I have reversed this captive-making process. April 10th. I will not retreat one hundredth, one thousandth of an inch. Paul Roberson. By definition, warriorhood means a total absence of compromise. Let me repeat that. By definition, warriorhood means a total absence absence of compromise we don't compromise we want independence self-determination liberation and sovereignty there's no compromise that's it period for those who defined it from an African center it means that there's only one truth one vision one thought the full unqualified liberation and empowerment of African people on planet earth now and forever. Therefore, every thought, word, and deed produced by a warrior's spirit, mind, and body must move him or her in that direction. There is no more important priority, no other viable reality. In our, in our confusing of European with a civilized humanitarian and ingenious people, we have already given them far too much of our land, space, resource, wisdom, genius, divinity, dignity, blood, flesh, time, power, and self. We stand on the edge of an abyss of whiteness, leaning backwards away from everything African. We stand on the verge of genetic and cultural annihilation. There is nothing in the universe which says that this is an impossibility, nor does anything say that we cannot be brought under a barbarian's domination or cannot again be in captivity. 
This senseless fate must end. We must stand. There can be no retreat. Not one more ten thousandth of an inch. Affirm. I do not treat one infinitesimal fraction from that which is African. Affirm. I do not retreat from one infinitesimal fraction from that which is African. Brothers and sisters, the Inya Sassim. The Inya Sassim of daily revolutionary thought. Ashay. Having read these in, in quite a while, I'm going to read them all today and just haven't done that in quite some time. Quite some time. Yeah. And I'm going to play that piece. Yep, that's right. That's right, family. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, okay. So as I find another piece that I desperately need, because you know, my grandson. Yeah. You know what's interesting, family, is that uh, we say these things, but we are trapped. We're bombarded 24-7 in the belief in the notions of European, you know, yeah, captivity. Yeah, we're trapped. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love to read these things. This is Ezra, Ezra Home. This is the sovereign psyche. He said, there is no other historical instance, there is no other historical instance of a formerly enslaved people who valued integration with their former captors to the point where they completely abandoned the superior wealth of their own homeland. This is a sad truth, family. This is a sad truth. These crackers have captivated our minds and made us hate who we are. Made us believe that made us believe that we are something that we are not. So we value wanting to be with them. After all they have done and still do, it is like, I mean, this is crazy. Every day, just, just recently in Nashville, didn't they show you? In fact, they truly showed you. It wasn't about, uh, uh, if you did this, we all, you know, you know everybody involved was going to be, no, that Caucasian lady, although she was, she, she, she missed by one vote. So she was retained, but those brothers were out. Those brothers were out. Now, I just seen a, uh, a news piece that uh, more than likely they may be reinstated. I don't give a damn. They showed you. They showed you who they are. 
has the great poetess. She said, if someone shows you, Maya Angelou, someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. These people have consistently shown us who they are, but yet we still, we still believe that we can overcome them. Read that again. There is no other historical instance of a formerly enslaved people who valued integration with their former captors to the point they completely they completely abandoned the superior wealth, superior wealth of their own homeland. Everybody wants a piece of Africa, but Africans. You're right. It doesn't make sense. You're right, family. It does not make sense. I always like to read this one, too, by um, Lord Macaulay. Because what he says here is so pointed, you know. He says, see, I got to find them there in my, my uh, pictures. And so I got I to gotta find them. And, and then I found it. And then the next one I got to find. <laughs> Lord Macaulay, as he is, a, he's addressing the British Parliament. In February, February 2nd, 1835, he says, I have traveled across the length and breadth of Africa and and I have not seen, I have not seen one person who is a beggar, who is a thief. Such wealth I have seen in this country, such high moral values, people of such caliber that I did not think that we could ever conquer this country unless... We break the very backbone of this nation, which is her spiritual and cultural heritage. And therefore, I propose that we replace her old and ancient educational system, her culture, her culture. For if the Africans think that all that is foreign and English is good, and they do, some of them really do, I can't believe when I went to Ghana the first time and having some conversation with some young brothers and how good the British are. Man. But then I met a brother named Cujo. He was on. <laughs> yeah, he was on. But yeah, they some of them believe it. That all that is foreign and English is good and greater than their own. They will lose their self-esteem, their native culture, and they will become what we want them to be, a truly dominated people, a truly dominated nation. And the theology has a lot to do with it. Brothers, when I first went there, even the last time when I was back in in, in, uh, in Ghana, in 2019, to see posters of white Jesus, bumper stickers with white Jesus. Oh, I know they had a hell of a time, a hell of a time. Yeah, they had a hell of a time yesterday. <laughs> oh, oh, she stopped it. But I know that uh, many of our warrior scholars have made mention 
of how the European has dominated information about the world. Not only they physically dominated, but the information about the world have, have, have developed a theology that, that they have imposed on the world. And, and that image is, I don't give a damn how many times us, we, we, we may paint Christ black. You know, like the John Henry Clark wrote a piece, The Child Who Painted Christ Black. In fact, you can see it. It's Wesley Snipes and even Dr. King's, Yolanda King. She's in the movie. Um, you know, yeah. You can go to YouTube. I bet you can go to YouTube and get it and see it. It's half hour, only a half hour piece. You know, Jasmine Guy plays Wesley Snipes' wife. It's interesting. It's a deep movie. The Child Who Paint Christ Black. Yolanda King's son in the movie. He's the one that does it. And he was encouraged. And, and, and what's interesting and good about the film, of course, obviously, is that um, Wesley Snipes, who was the principal, had serious issues about them painting. And, of course, this Caucasian from the state uh, educational, you know, he came there and when he seen that he was up in an uproar and then but Wesley Snipes had the courage to <laughs> made his ass walk out check it out for yourself the boy who painted Christ black story by Dr. John Henry Clark yeah so yeah family I tell you Uh, yeah. Kwame Nkrumah said this you know Ghana was the first country to gain independence in 1957 and uh, Kwame Nkrumah understood like Dr. Sheikh Hadjab like Thomas Sankara like Patrice Lumumba and so many other great African leaders same thing that's being discussed today family one Africa. Same thing is being discussed with the Pan-African Federalist Movement. One Africa. It is not 54 so-called sovereign nations that are manipulated, divided, and, 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 and continue to rape the, the resources from the people. No, it's not. It's not. It's one Africa. One Africa. Kwame Nkrumah said, I believe strongly and sincerely that with the deep-rooted wisdom and dignity, the innate respect for human lives, the intense humanity that is our heritage, the African culture united under one federal government will emerge not just as another world block to flaunt its wealth and strength, but as a great power whose greatness is indestructible because it is built not on fear, envy, and suspicion, nor won at the expense of others, but founded under hope, trust, and friendship and directed to the good of all mankind. The Speech of Freedom, 1961, four years after the independence. He said this years later. If we do not approach the problems in Africa with a common front and a common purpose, we shall be haggling and wrangling amongst ourselves 
until we are colonized again and become the trolls of a far greater colonialism than we had suffered heretofore. Once again, Osaji foe, Kwame Nkrumah, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. To be truly liberated, African people must come to know the nature of European thought and behavior in order to understand the effects that the European has had on our ability to think victoriously. We must be able to separate our thoughts from Europeans' thoughts. Has to visualize a future that is not dominated by Europeans. This is a demand by an African-centered view. Because why? Because we are Africans. And because the future which Europeans lead us is genocide. Dr. Marimba Ani. Yeah, man. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to do that too, family. I'm going to play that. I know I got some time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you. Your philosophy determines your thought pattern. Your thought pattern determines your attitude. Your attitude determines your behavior pattern. And your behavior pattern determines your actions. It begins with what you think and it ends with what you do. This quote I read last week attributed to um, Anthony Browder, but for many others. I, I, I read it before. I've been saying this quote almost for the last about 20-some years, so I'm not sure exactly where, but it's profound. Your philosophy of what you think ends with what you do. That's why I say if your thought pattern, if your philosophy is that our men ain't nothing, ain't going to be nothing, don't do nothing, and we're the only cultural group in this country particularly that says these things about our men. We're the only cultural group in this country that less than 20% are happily married. I ain't going to say happily married. Are married. I don't know if they have you or not, but the bottom line, 80% of women having children out of wedlock. No other group, no other group, family. What you do for yourself depends upon what you think of yourself. And what you think of yourself depends upon what you know of yourself. And what you know of yourself depends upon what you've been told. Who told you? Who's doing the telling? The Caucasian, the European, the cracker has been, has been doing the telling. And obviously, he will never tell us the greatness, the beauty of Africa and African people. It is not, it is not in his desire to do so. So what you do for yourself depends upon what you think of yourself. And what you think of yourself depends upon what you know of yourself. And what you know of yourself depends upon what you have been told. That's why every Monday and Wednesday and Friday, I try my best to either bring guests on, read something or say something, trying to tell you of who you really are and what you must do. Because it's a good thing to know, 
But once you know, you have to do. That's why many of us don't want to know. Because it will have to cause, once you know, have to cause some action in you. You cannot continue to be that person that you've been. must cause a positive action in you. We must not be the people who walked but left no footprints. Who talked but had nothing meaningful to say. Who labored but built nothing for themselves. And so we lay at your feet the builder's spade and shovel. The mason's towel and square. Africa's books of great wisdom go now and build for eternity. Brothers and sisters, that's Brother Lester Velt Middleton. Brother Lester Velt Middleton, you can see him on YouTube um, interviewing the top scholars, the top warrior scholars, all, all the greats, Dr. Clark, Dr. Jack, John G. Jackson, Chancellor Williams, Ivan von Sernema. He died young at an ASCAT conference some, some years ago uh, at, at, the, at the very beginning of the pandemic. His wife was on Brother Bernie Gallman, Brother, Brother, Gurney, Brother Bernie Gallman, uh, great brother in um, South Carolina. And that's where Brother Lester Veltman was Milton was building. He was literally physically building his house when he passed. His widow was on the call on the conference. It was just beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Lester Velt Middleton. If you get a chance to please go on YouTube, check out some of the uh, some of the interviews. They're outstanding. Going to take a break. We come back from the break more. This is a open mic. So if there's something on your mind, I'm going over stuff I haven't played in a while and things that are necessary about what, what this what this program is about. You know, because this program is about independence, self-determination, liberation, and sovereignty for African people. The motto of this program is Pan-Africanism or perish. Unify or die. And that's real. That is real. And in, in, in the Inya and Sassim that I read substantiates that all, all the time. Men and women who are serious about nation building, who are serious about an African reality, Independent of any and everybody. Nobody. Nobody tells us what to do. Nobody. So when we come back from that uh, break, we'll continue this conversation. You can join this conversation. Dial 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. And um, this Wednesday, we'll be talking with uh, my co-host will be Brother Irv. Irv Lewis, who uh, went to Senegal and Gambia. We'll talk about the trips, and I'm quite sure he wants to go again. I know he does, because once, once, once it happens, you want to go again. Believe me, you do. 
Yeah, you want to go again. Brothers and sisters, you're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network, on timeforanawakening.com, and blacktalkradionetwork.com. Brothers and sisters, you stay with us. We'll be right back. You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshie on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Don't break, come show me. Come 
Listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. There is a lot of talk of late on the African continent about the fact that Africans are awakening. There is a lot of talk about the fact that we are woke. But the question that I'd like to ask you is, almost a hundred years ago, a man called Marcus Garvey rose and told Africans that they must unite. Unite in their control of resources. Unite as nations. Unite their imaginations, their dreams, aspirations, and capabilities to grow in Africa and a race that will be able to self-determine and compete against other races. A man called Kwame Nkrumah came and said the same message, and another by the name of Malcolm X said the same. But the question is, after almost a century since the rise of Marcus Garvey, has Africa achieved unity? Do we control our resources? Do we unite in our aspirations, dreams, and have we elevated Africa into a continent and a race that can compete and self-determine against other races? The truth of the matter is we have failed. We have failed because we have remained divided. We've continued to work as 54 different states that continue to be subjugated. This is why the French continue to have 14 colonies on the African continent. It is why 36 African countries have got American bases in AFRICOM on their soil. It is why many African countries continue to sell their resources, their institutions for debt to countries like China. And the question that I'm now challenging you, the woke generation, is what are we going to do about it? The reason we've got wars on the African continent is because we're being divided for conquest. The reason we've got sanctions on the African continent is that all the independent knowledge and education, the power to take control of our resources, can be destroyed so that Africa can continue to be colonized by our Western 
colonizers. This is why now we need to rise. Remember that you, the African American, with all your paper money, the greatest wealth among all black nations, only have paper money. But the true wealth is in Africa. The true wealth is the reason why Africa is under sanctions and war. The one that Europeans want to keep for themselves. You need to bring your paper money, your skill, your knowledge, your frustration back to Africa to invest it in the control of real wealth and real resources in the form of the oil, the diamonds, coal, lithium, cassiterite, and all the other resources that the Western worlds are fighting to control in Africa. Your paper money can be leveraged into machines, skills, technology, and the knowledge that Africa needs in order to move and prosper. You, the Caribbean, with your skill, power, determination, you, the Jamaican, the first people to resist European colonialism, you, the Haitian, the very first black peoples to defeat a European army. You are the answer to Africa's problems. You, the European African, with all that you've learned and earned, the basketball player, the soccer player, the sportsman, the singer, the musician, the actor, with all your billions of dollars, are the investment that Africa needs to stop its dependency on the colonizer. It's about time that we rose. And I'm saying that Marcus Garvey's dream can be fulfilled because when he dreamt it, not a single country, not a single African country was independent. When he dreamt it, not many black billionaires existed, if any. But today we've got black billionaires. Today, the richest man in Africa is a black man. We have what it takes and the capacity that it takes to grow our continent into being a continent that can be respected, can self-determine, control its resources, control the processing of those resources and create currencies based on those resources to be the leading economy in the world. With that, we can industrialize grow up the technology curve and begin to create the machinery, the tools to defend the sovereignty of this continent. And now I say it's time that we unite. We have countries like Zimbabwe under U.S. war sanctions to make it unattractive for any African to come because Europeans are preserving it for themselves. But I'm inviting you my African-American brother, you Africans in the diaspora, you Africans on the continent to say, come and take advantage of the greatest reserves of lithium, chrome, gold, true wealth, land, an opportunity to develop infrastructure for us to create wealth as a people, for yourselves, for the advancement Africa. The time to awake is now, but awakening takes action, pride, 
investment, development, innovation to give our people power. This is the time. Ashe, now, family, is the time. Now, right now. Nothing's promised. Tomorrow's not promised. We really can't afford not to take advantage of whatever time that we can get. Everything, as Dr. Clark said, that we do, everything that we do is putting into motion for the liberation of us as a people. Everything. African sovereignty. You know, I didn't hear about African sovereignty for a long time. Just started hearing about African sovereignty in the last 15, 10, 15 years. Because prior to that, it was, yeah, you know, but we as African people can make it happen here for us. You know, we, we, we can have the Republic of New Africa get four states in the South. You know, we can have in Cobra get reparations, get reparations, and then we can have uh, areas of various cities that are very well developed, that are ours, you know. We continue to believe that in the context of our development that it could happen here in this country in the midst of an open and sworn enemy. That's why when brothers and sisters say we're our own we are our own worst enemy. <sighs> Hate that. I, I even had to apologize to an elder. I was at a gathering. Oh, there's a good number of people about in the sister, uh, sister Jackie's house. You know, it's like, with all due respect, elder, I, I, no, no, we're not. We're not our own worst enemy. Now, we do some things contrary to what we should do, but we're not the enemy. The enemy is the European, the Caucasian, the cracker, Urugu. That's the enemy of African people who have consistently worked, consistently worked to our disadvantage, consistently undermined us, manipulated us, consistently made us think that the best thing for us to do is to try to be like them. And consistently try to make us think that Africa was backwards and nothing good out of it. But yet, now that we know, at least some of us, and, I'm, and, I, and I'm, I always try to use the correct terminology, brothers and sisters, that's why I'm saying some of us, because a lot of us, one could argue most of us, still don't know that. 
still don't know that and still could care less about Africa being colonized by whoever else still don't care about what the Chinese have done what the Indians are starting to do once again in Uganda what the, what the Arabs have done over hundreds and hundreds of years what the Caucasians have done in their colonization and their colonialism some have even gone to the point of being so happy that Europeans took us out of Africa and brought us here. Some are happy with that fact. And as a consequence, we behave the way we behave even to this very day. In 2023, with a colonized mind, brothers and sisters, we are at war for the minds of our people. We can't even talk about a physical war with armament because our minds aren't right. We have members we have brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters who are in the armed forces of the United States. What's 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 been amazing to me? It's been amazing to me. I was never in the service, but I met some good brothers and sisters who were in the United States military, whatever it was, Navy, Air Force, Army, Marines, whatever. And they be and they got out of that madness whole with an African mind. Brother DJ, Baba Baruti, Brother Ben Njai. I could name so many others. And surprisingly, because what is the purpose of the military is to indoctrinate you, to indoctrinate you to serve this country take an oath to serve this country against all enemies foreign and domestic and for so when the, the, the government calls you're in the military and they call you strike they tell you who to strike and then you strike I don't they don't give a damn who it is if I say you go to the Congo if I say you go to Nigeria and, and you strike Boko Raham you strike Africa. It's the largest military bases in Ghana. That's why Ghana is, you know, really, I love Ghana, of course, you know I do. But their ability to be, to think, as Dr. Ramban Ani said, to think victoriously and with an African mind is very difficult because we have been so influenced. In fact, uh, one of the replays on Time for an Awakening was Dr. Jerome Fox. Yeah. Dr. Jerome Fox. In league. <laughs> it, you know, and he was talking about his great book, which is a workbook. Um, the oppressor in league with the oppressed in a 
shame-based alliance. <laughs> it's deep. That, that, that we have been conditioned to believe and trust them at our own peril, at our own expense. And we do, family. We do. It's detrimental as hell. But we do. Addicted to white. Addicted to white. The oppressed, the oppressed in the league with the oppressor in a shamed-based alliance. He has given up on the idea of Caucasians and us working together. <laughs> any any African-centered logical thinking person would have gave up on that idea years ago. I can't say further how back because some of us just are just starting to come into a consciousness and an understanding even after all these years when we've had so many people I, I've been the way I am for quite some time have I always been this way? Of course not of course not in fact I became more this way after coming on the fire department number one because the fire department helped me see a lot of things about Caucasians. But more importantly, having the opportunity to read, to listen, to learn. 24 hours, I'm at the firehouse. 48 hours, two days, I'm off. 24 on, 48 off. I began to listen to our scholars, our warrior scholars. I began to read And knowing how the fire department is, there were some decent Caucasians on the fire department. You know, I had some back and forths with some of the fire with the, some of the firefighters. You know, I had some Caucasians mad at me. I can give less than a rat's ass. Some of these crackers. I mean, yes, when that bell rang, no matter what side of town you're on, you've been trained to do a job. You've been trained to do a job. When the bell rings, you go out there and you perform your job to the best of your ability. When I became an officer, one of the things I always wanted to make sure that the guys that worked with me particularly as I worked in the community, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter. When the alarm rang and whether it was an EMS, emergency medical run, or a fire run, we would, whether it was at 3 p.m. or 3 a.m., we would give the same level of professional service to whoever. I was committed to that. And, and, and the guys I worked with or the firefighters I worked with, they understood that. So, 
But historically, just like in uh, Ragtime, the movie Ragtime, which is a very deep movie family. In fact, if you want to see a movie and do some analyzing, get Ragtime. Howard Rollins. James Cagney's last movie before he died. Ragtime. When the firefighters blocked his way in his new cars, new Model T, whatever it was, and, 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 and when he when they blocked his way, he had to get out, and he went to the police and whoever they didn't do nothing about it, and he came back to his horse shit in his on his on the seat of his of his of his car. The firefighters. When I first came on in '76, affirmative action going across the country. Many Caucasians resented this because the fire service, nepotism is rampant. Cronyism rampant in the fire service. In fact, there's some firefighters that feel it, you know, it's a family tradition. They basically bequeath a, a position for their newborn son just came out the damn womb. Oh, he, he's going to be at engine 18. <laughs> then, of course, affirmative action, because it is a public works job, the taxes of the citizens of that community pay for that service, and that service shouldn't look like the, the community that it serves. <coughs> you, you want to talk, Jay just came on the line. Jay, 646, good afternoon. Yo, Osi, what's happening, brother? I'm well, man. I'm doing well. I'm doing I am well. too, my man. I said, let me give O a call and see how he was doing. Oh yeah, doing well, man. And um, you know what? What is your what is your topic of today? You. What has the white man done? The I topic. Think, the I think one of them crazy crackers decided to kill some people today. Oh, is that right? Yeah, man. I heard in, I think it was Louisville, um, somebody wiped out five. <laughs> and, um, you know, a couple of injured. You know, when they not black, they really don't show the face too right, quick. Right, right. Uh, you know, but um, once this again, is what, this, once huh? again, Jake, once again, I don't care. You can say every day. How many people were mass uh, murdered? And this is because it's been going on now for decades. These Caucasians will not change a damn letter in the Second Amendment of their rights to own as much armament. New bill. The, the, the cracker here uh, signed a new bill that you don't need a permit to carry. I'm not mad at him, Oshie. You know? I'm not, I'm not mad no, at him. No, I ain't saying I'm mad I at him. I Negro. That decide that they don't want to follow suit. Mm-hmm. That's who I'm. I've got an issue with. If the cracker kid had ten guns, I could have ten guns. Yeah. If the cracker is gonna defend his position, I could defend my position. Right. I just think most of these Negroes 
are scared of white folks still to this day and willing to um, give up everything for this so-called fantasy of what they call a democracy. Right, right. And that's the most funniest sugar honey I see in the world. Listen to some Negro talk about democracy, and here it is when a cracker is in power and a cracker is in the position of power. Just look what they did to them two Negroes in um, Memphis. In Nashville. And, and, and Negroes are that was so in, That upset. was in Nashville. Although yeah, I'm not I mean, sure exactly what parts of uh, Tennessee that they were representing because there were two different parts of Tennessee. But there was a, but that was, no, that was in Nashville, the state capital. Yeah, they were, they were, saying, they were state reps. Were... Yeah, no, no, that was in Nashville because they were state reps. And, and, and that's where the, you know, the capital is. And so the, they wanted them, so they cut their mics off, so they couldn't speak. They got a bullhorn, so they could speak. And they, and, you know, the whole thing was you're being so dis- disruptive, but children are dying. People are dying. Just like you well, said, there's a there's a mass know, shooting today. Do you think they care about them dying? No, that's the question. No, though. no, Jay, they don't. They give lip service to it. Oh. Uh, uh, my thoughts and prayers are with you, but they ain't gonna they ain't gonna do a damn thing to change the laws that would prevent that from happening. They're not gonna. Let uh, me ask you a question. Okay. If you were in their position, would you do anything different? Let me say this because my, my my mindset my mindset is different though, Jay. I, I'm I'm a loving man. I'm a, I care about humanity, so I I can't speak to that. I'm I, in fact many years ago. I told the cats at the firehouse, I said, you know, in Oshie's world, nobody would have a gun. You want a gun? You go to the gun rental place, and the only thing you can use for a gun is hunting. If you do anything other than that and using that gun for hunting, then your ass will be shot with it, you know? Because to me, nobody should have a gun. Think about how many deaths would be prevented. Now, it's not to say there still won't be people who are going to fight with, with a knife or a stick or whatever. But the availabilities of guns, there has been a proliferation of mass murder in this country because of it. And, 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 and it's not going to stop because they're not no, going to do anything. Stop. No. Mm-mm. I can't see it. I can't see it seeing stopping at all. But listen, O.C., do me a favor. Put me on mute and I'll click back over in a few. Something just came up. All right, Jay. Thank you, brother. Peace to you. All right. Yeah. No, no, it's not going to stop. No, it's not. The fascination. And see, in this thing about having a gun, in the very early beginnings of this country's formation, because they didn't have a big, huge, solid military, they said, we got to create these militias. So if somebody attacks us, if, if, if England, France, whoever, Mexico comes and attacks us, we got to mobilize a militia, your gun, and then you help defend the country. Well, these Caucasians spent that in, an, in another way. They spend that. And, and, and it was all about you, could, you have a right to bear arms to protect you and your family and your property. How dicey has that been in terms of protecting property? 
Now, I'm breaking into your house. I broke in. I stole something. I'm running away. I'm off your property. You chase me with your gun and you shoot me in the back. It's been determined that you can't do that. You murdered me. But no, he stole my big screen color TV and 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 and, and, and the memorabilia I had from the Super Bowl, whatever. No, all that was too valuable to me. Now, I broke into your house. You heard it. You got your gun. You went downstairs. You saw me. You shoot and kill me. Hey, you're protecting your, your property and your, and your life. You know? I, you know, there's only one answer to this madness, my brothers and sisters, and that is for us to get the hell up out of here. This is not a good place for us. It never has been. It never will be. It never will be. Now, understand, some of us can develop a life and, 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 and have have that life not affected by anything racial. You move to the suburbs, the people who you live around, the people who you work for are just really good guys and really good gals and just really great people, you know, and, and, and there's no issues. You, you see all the things that are going on around. You see the news every day, but in, in that sphere that you're in, everything's great. And so to you, that's great. That's great. You have all the money you need damn near. You got a great job. In fact, your wife don't even work. Your three kids, they go to the school. They're, the school is predominantly, of course, Caucasian. You know, nobody calls them niggers. You know, they're just good guys in the school. You know, good good students in the school, good athletes in the school. You know, they have a lot of white friends. They sleep over in each other's homes and so forth. Everything is just hunky-dory, you know? But yet, the majority of African people in America suffer. Still today, that's what I'm saying, is, you know, <laughs> it's designed for individuals Individualism is a European Caucasian desire. I think, therefore, I am. Individualism. Collectivism is an African imperative. It is a must. Us being collective. That's why these 54 different countries on the continent is detrimental to African development. They're manipulated and used by Caucasians where the people still suffer. How can a people be, how can a country be so rich in mineral wealth, shit that every, excuse me, stuff that everybody wants. There's gold, there's diamonds, there's uranium, there's so much stuff, but yet the people are poor, are destitute, are malnourished, underdeveloped, the land. So how? I, 
I played Howard Nicholas for you many times, you know, and what Howard Nicholas is about, you know, what he what he wants to make sure maintains and what happens, you know. I played it many times, and 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 so to me, to me, and and like I said, we. Um, See if I can find pull up Howard Howard Nicholas's ass. Yeah, there's all kinds of pieces on him. In fact, the one the one piece that I was playing, yeah. Here's I'm gonna play this one. This is um, just uh, 16 minutes, so we have plenty of time. It'll take us up to an hour, but it, it, it's just that the fact that this Caucasian, and I, and I just have to say, every time I see it, I just want to jump through here and just whoop his ass, you know, I tell you. Sub-Saharan Africa to escape that. Okay, we do everything to keep Sub-Saharan Africa where it is, also impoverished. This, this is Professor Dr. Howard Nicholas, a Sri Lankan economist and social scientist. In the year 2015, Dr. Nicholas gave a presentation at the International Institute of Social Studies (ISS) of Erasmus University of Rotterdam, where he is also a senior lecturer in economics. Here. He's explaining why and how the Western Europeans do everything in their power to impoverish Africa and forever keep them poor. Starting with the why. The main reason why majority of developing countries and Africa, specifically the Sub-Saharan Africa region, have always been a target for the West condemnation is for the raw material production. In his words, Dr. Howard says, the Sub-Saharan Africa has been fundamental to the global prosperity of advanced countries, therefore has to be kept poor. Africa historically, Sub-Saharan Africa has been fundamental to the global prosperity of the advanced countries. Okay, And Africa had a role to play. It has a role as a raw material producer. We will not allow Sub-Saharan Africa to escape that. Okay, we do everything to keep Sub-Saharan Africa where it is, also impoverished. It's absolutely vital for the prosperity of everyone else. And since colonization, there has always been plans to stop Africa from aggressively industrializing. These are the six economic structures put in place that keep Africa poor. Hi, call me Louis. This is my spot. Louis spot. One, foreign aid. Here's where money and weapons is given to keep Africa repressive regime systems in power. Okay, we give them aid. Aid for what? Actually, we give them aid to keep repressive regimes in power. That's all. 
Okay, we're not giving them aid for much more except a little bit of infrastructure to make sure those raw materials get to the ports and aren't gotten out of the ground. But for the most part, we give repressive regimes money and power and guns to keep that system going. This is what it's fundamentally about. All the hypocrisy about transparency and democracy and bullshit like that, it's all bullshit. You know? And at least the Chinese don't enter into that bullshit. They say, we don't care about the whole political environment, we just give the money. Okay? And it's for raw material extraction. Period. Debts and foreign loans. Here money is lent to raw material producing countries to gain control of them with debt strings. Economic hitmen will also be sent to execute those leaders who refuse to accept the loans. I was telling some of my students today, was it today or yesterday, about co uh, confessions of an economic hitman. Do you remember this? Have, have any of you heard of this one? Confessions of an economic hitman. It's a book written by John Perkins, who used to work for a very nebulous, opaque bank. No one had ever heard of this bank, but it was formed in the 1950s by the IMF, the CIA, and the American State Department. And it had only one job to lend money to developing countries that were raw material producers in order to indebt them. Once you are in my debt, I control you. Okay? And this bank had 4,000 employees. But no one ever heard of this bank, you see. But it would go to country after country offering loans. And if the president did not accept the loan, they were killed. And he gives two examples of presidents who were killed when they did not accept the loan. You see, the lending is also very important to trap the country. It's very important. It's part of that process. I teach in Suriname. And Suriname in recent times had a huge foreign exchange reserve. So big they didn't need to borrow money. And then one of my students who was very high up in government, he said, you know, the IMF is trying to convince us to borrow money from foreigners. Why? I thought, duh, you know, sorry about this, but, you know, this is the game. And in the end, Suriname did borrow this money because the IMF said, if foreigners lend to you, then everyone will think Suriname is such a strong economy that foreigners are interested in lending to you. You understand? Before Lula came to power, you know, the previous president in Brazil, Cardoso, his predecessor, took a gigantic international loan. No necessity for taking the loan. Why? Because once I catch you, with the debt strings, I hold you forever. You are my prisoner. Okay, so debt has been this huge spider's web which has trapped sub-Saharan Africa and keeps them held there. Aid, debt. Monopoly buying structures. Here, few Western multinationals will collude between themselves and set to buy major raw materials while also setting the standards of what they need. From here, this corporation will have control and keep the prices extremely low. 
This is for all raw materials and basic agricultural goods produced by developing countries. There are only four or five Western multinationals that buy all those goods. And they collude between them. So if you take any major product, these Western multinationals, they collude between them. Even if we go down to banana production, we had a PhD done here at the ISS, and the person showed that the four or five major multinationals, they collude, and in order to make sure their control is total, what they do is they force all the producers to pr produce the same uniform banana. You know the crap you buy in the West and has no taste at all? You go to any developing country, you know how a banana tastes, don't you? There's so many of them, lots of varieties, but we only market one or two types, so we have control, you see. If you don't produce at the price I want you to produce, I go to the next country. You see, we get control. So these buyers, they impose that control, and they keep pushing the prices down and down and down. Okay, this is the game. No one says anything about it. There are no commissions of inquiry to say, this is illegal, what you're doing. The WTO has nothing to say about this. But sorry to say, you know, if banana prices rose ten times, especially for people like me who love bananas, okay, I protest. I like my living standards. Okay, it's the same with all the other raw materials, you see. We're all benefiting. We're complicit. We're actually complicit in this because we will protest and shout out if the situation ever changed. International Economic Institutions. Here the rich create the institutions to explicitly control the poor countries by keeping them producing raw materials, making sure they have recurrent balance of payment problems. IMF, World Bank, WTO. We always think evil creatures. Horrible. It's not. It's just economics. It's economic warfare. The rich declare war on the poor. It happens everywhere. It happens in a country. The rich control the government. Of course they do. You really believe you have democracy? Come on. You know, I mean, grow up. This is not about people living in democratic systems. What we have is the rich control. The rich set up these institutions explicitly to control the poor countries. And they don't give them much room for maneuver. Which, incidentally, when the IMF starts talking of poverty alleviation, you should also understand that there's another game there also starting to play, which I'm going to come back to later. But what do these institutions do? What does the IMF do? What is structural adjustment about? It's about making sure countries keep producing what we want them to produce. We make sure they have recurrent balance of payments problems. You notice these countries never get out of balance of payments problems. You notice that? Whereas countries that never took IMF support are always out of balance of payments problems. But the countries that are continuously getting advice and support by the IMF, they're always in balance of payments problems. Why? Because that's the way we keep our stranglehold on them. Destruction of food self-sufficiency. Started by colonialization, 
and continued by World Bank. Once one has control of your food supply, he has control over you. Colonization started it. Okay, one of the most important things is we destroy food self-sufficiency. Okay, and the World Bank continued it. They forced most countries to eliminate all food subsidies and food support. Okay, because once you don't produce your own food, I increase my control of it. How do we know this? Well, very funny thing happened some years ago. Not so funny, actually. It involved starvation of a large number of people in Malawi. Okay? Many of you could remember this because it was really tragic. But the Malawian finance minister, who was under terrible threat at the time, suddenly broke ranks and he said, well, you know why we have this famine? Because one of the conditions of the loan given by the World Bank was we destroyed all our grain surplus stocks. Why? Because remember, we want you dependent. 1970s, the U.S. Senate, the U.S. Congress said, we will not allow Latin America to produce their own food. We will start a strategy involving the IMF and the World Bank to destroy food self-sufficiency of Latin America. Then they will indeed be our true backyard. And that's exactly what they've done. Look at all the Latin American countries. Look at them. They used to be food self-sufficient, but they're no longer food self-sufficient. Now, here comes the kicker. This is the beautiful part of it. I'm, I congratulate them. You know I admire them because they do it so well. Okay? I, I know it sounds really perverse. But we have now in the WTO something called the Agreement on Agriculture. Okay? You know what that agreement on agriculture states? It says, if you don't have any subsidies, you're not allowed to put these subsidies on food. But if you have subsidies and income support for food production, you can keep them. Who has all the subsidies and income support? US, Europe. The largest budgets in the world for supporting their farmers are Europe and US. But the World Bank and IMF have destroyed all those subsidies. You see, all those subsidies have been destroyed. And now we're telling these countries, you don't have subsidies, tough luck, you know. You see, we're keeping them dependent. We're keeping them on a string. Poor school curriculums. Destructive Western curriculums, such as Doctrine of Comparative Advantage, which teach Africa's destiny is to produce raw materials, and the new institutional economics that has also been set to blame the victims. You see, we teach, in many cases, garbage. And it doesn't hurt anyone, a lot of this garbage. You know, it's just blah, 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 blah. And we don't know what we have learned, but anyway, we were there at the university and you got a certificate and you go away and you feel you've learned something. <laughs> but sometimes we teach very destructive things. And no more important than when we're teaching people from developing countries. Okay? And one of those very damaging and destructive things is the doctrine of comparative advantage. It's a lie from beginning to end. It's utter crap. It has been decimated many times, but we keep it in every curriculum. Why? 
because it tells sub-Saharan African countries that their destiny is to produce raw materials, you see. And if you produce raw materials, you get rich just like we are in the West. You see, this is the game we're playing. And just for you to be totally confused, we normally build models with it, mathematical models. So you really have no idea what we're talking about. But it seems all very scientific. Then we have the modern version of this is because it's all a failure, we know it's a failure, we now have a new generation of economists saying, ah, it's only a failure because you're all corrupt in your countries. We call that new institutional economics. You've all probably learnt it all, but you didn't know why they invented it. It was invented to tell you the same thing, you should keep producing raw materials, now, don't be as corrupt as you were before. Nobody ever told you that aid was designed to actually start the corruption process in the first place. Okay, and we need corruption to make sure you're doing all these things. But now, we blame the victim. You're poor because it's your fault, basically. And you're poor, stupid, and corrupt, basically. This is the message that we're giving people. Alright guys, so that's it for this video. As usual, the entire presentation will be on my Patreon account just for archive purposes so be sure to check it out anyway give this video a thumbs up if you liked it comment if you have anything to say in the section below and share also that's I, that's the first time I heard that particular piece and I, I liked it I liked it because it gave some examples but uh, I liked it and I hate how Nichols want to jump through the piece and just beat his ass his arrogant ass but he's still out there doing what he's doing and we're still in the madness that we're in because what he's saying is true you know how it goes and, and, and what they want to do they want to dictate they're less than 10% and their population is just continuing to decline continuing to decline that's why the issue of abortion is serious for Caucasians. Serious. You know, yes, women should have the right to choose, but as far as Caucasians are concerned, no. Every child that is born, not, they don't give a damn about us, especially us, because we have the youngest population in, on the planet. But they don't give a damn about us and any other cultural group, you know. Their bottom line is, you know. Yeah, but don't see. Yeah, Jay, go ahead. That white woman not having no babies, man. That white woman not got a taste of what it is to be free and have some economic freedom. And she ain't giving that up to continue to populate uh people that's hated and becoming more hated all around the world. So, you know, I don't know what they're doing with this whole abortion thing, but causing themselves long-term problems. Well, they're, they're, But, they're, you know, that's the white men. Right. That's who this anti-abortion situation is about because they're, they're rapid decline 
a population globally, you know, but yet they control, I would venture to say, 70% of resources around the damn world. So maybe less, maybe yeah. more, I don't know. But the bottom line is Europeans, they have uh, uh, the United States, which is the military arm of Caucasians, the military arm of all that they do coming out of Europe and Australia and any damn place else and any other group that they want to co-opt. The United States is the military arm of that. They have military bases around the world. Every place. Every place. And they will strike in a moment's notice. You know, so even though their population is declining, they'll still co-op people and they'll still be in control until the people of this planet come together. I don't don't mean us with other people. I'm, I'm talking about us. I'm talking about Africans. I'm talking about Africans coming together and doing for themselves. I'm talking about Africans coming together and kicking the Chinese, kicking everybody else's ass out of the continent to control the land, control the resources, to educate ourselves. If you heard the piece I just played and and the areas of how they control, education was another big part of that, how they control. Because why? If they're in control of the education system, then no, brothers and sisters, you know, you... you, (laughs) You don't advance. You're a puppet. They instruct you. They manipulate and undermine you. And they direct you to do what they want you to do. And so we have these folks fighting. We're fighting amongst one another about this, that, and the other, which is crazy. It's crazy. And so once we come into that right mindset that we're going to control who we are, we're going to control our resources, we're going to control our land. We're not going to talk about Republic of New Africa. I I respect them, love many of them, but the idea of having something here in this country is is asinine, it's ludicrous, it'll never happen. In COBRA, uh, to me, the real time for reparations is once you have established the strength of yourself. They don't give people when when the they didn't give Japanese reparations right after they dropped that bomb on their ass. But once the Japanese once the Japanese developed an an economic system, became technologically advanced, and now they had better cars than the U.S. They had they had all they had the electronic uh, situation sold up with the with the music, uh, Sansui uh, turntables, and and Sony TVs. Then. The Caucasians said, whoa, let's make them honorary white folks. Let's put them in the G6. Now they're the G7. You know? No, we know. So they could benefit from it. Yes, so they could benefit from it. You know? So, you know, the, the, the whole thing is, is that Africa must be independent, self-determining, liberated, and sovereign. There is no other way for we uh, for us as African people and the Africans throughout the diaspora, which numbers in the millions, hundreds of millions. We really have more people on the planet than any other people. We do. We do. And yet our numbers are declining as well. But we do have the youngest population. That's why surprisingly here in this country, our numbers became stagnant for numbers of reasons. I understand 
why the Europeans' numbers began to decline about 20-some years ago. It was already stated, the decline of the West. But the reason why ours have declined is because of homosexuality, us not wanting to be with sisters, and you mass know, incarceration. And you know, in, in Oshie, you know how they promote monkey manism oh, yeah. at its finest. Oh, yeah. Every time you turn around, they got some monkey man nonsense yeah. going on. You know, I mean, the Twisted Sister crew is yeah. as prominent in this country as black people are, the truth be told. They got more power and say-so and ability to articulate what they want for themselves than we as African people do who have struggled for many, many years. But listen, Oshie, it's your time. Yes, we don't is. want your boy to get upset, <laughs> so we'll continue yeah. this on Wednesday when Irv get here, because I know Irv is going to have a lot to say it's, about his beautiful trip, you sure and is, I'm looking brother. forward to it. I am too, man. I am too. Thanks, Jay. Peace to you, brother. Hotel. Hotel. Brothers and sisters, it is that time. I appreciate it. I know many were listening to them. Only want to jump on was brother, with brother Jay, and I always appreciate brother Jay. You know, Jay has been with me since I jumped on. Time for an awakening now. What, four, five years ago? Time flies. Six years ago, because I've been here eight years. Brothers and sisters, I appreciate it and appreciate you. Join me on Wednesday when uh, my co-host, brother Irv Lewis, and I talk about his trip to Senegal and to the Gambia. So we end this program like we end all of our programs with the words of Stephen Biko, the most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the minds of the oppressed. This program is dedicated and committed to helping to free the African mind because that's what we are. We're in a war for the minds of our people, family. But not just the M-I-N-D, but the M-I-N-E because under the feet of African people lies all of the resources. You heard you heard uh, uh, Howard Nicholas's ass? Oh, man, I tell you, that's one person, if I had a chance to meet, I'd fire on his ass as soon as I saw him. Under the feet of African people lies all of the resources that everybody wants, think they can't do it out, and they shown the hell, damn it, don't want to pay for. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed and wonderful day. Shem Hotep means go in peace. Asante Sana means thank you. Habibi Fahadiyeh. Habibi Fahadiyeh means our victorious destiny. Brothers and sisters, we will be victorious. You have a blessed day and I'll see you on Wednesday. Peace.